welcome to my podcast, Tech Talks with Lou. Thank you for being here for my second episode, where I interview Jürgen Donaldson, who now works in talent acquisition in Swift, having 17 years in recruitment and losing his sight two years ago. He is now an advocate for issues that impact the visually impaired community. And I discuss with him the topic of being disconnected in today's digital world and about the steps we can all take to increase accessibility in our own social media content. So please do take a moment and enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm Lou Temlett and welcome to Tech Talks with Lou, the show in which I discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world. So to make you feel more comfortable with the trials and tribulations of technology, each week I'll be chatting with business owners about their successes with tech in their quest to fulfil their dreams. And I'll also be hearing from you, the listener, about your tech tales of frustration from the corporate world and how I can help you shift your mindset with a positive sense of calm about all things tech. So today I have Jürgen Donaldson, who has been 17 years in recruitment and two years ago he lost his sight. He is now an advocate for issues with the that impact the visually impaired community and he works in talent acquisition at Swift. He is also responsible for recruitment within the broad spectrum of diversity, equality, equity, inclusion and belonging. And he is also working with the Vision Foundation on a campaign called Hashtag See My Skills, which improves the employability for the visually impaired. Welcome, Jürgen. It's so great to have you on my podcast. How are you doing today? Hello. It is lovely to be here. You make me sound very busy. I mean, I don't, I don't feel as busy as that, but no, it is absolutely lovely to be with you. I am looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> Fabulous. So my podcast is all about uh, technology and how um, you have utilized technology within your life um, within your business and personal life just to grow and expand your network and your net worth so tell me more about your 17 years in recruitment and then let's go on to talk about uh, you know what what's happened since then yeah, I mean, technology in so many ways has, has revolutionized the, the recruitment space, you know, in, in a number of ways. I mean, if I think back to when I started, those who were early adopters will remember, what was it called? Open BC Networking, which was the, I believe, the previous name of what we now call LinkedIn. And I remember, I think it was day one or day two in recruitment being told, this is the first thing you have to do is you have to create your open BC networking account. Oh, okay. And get on to some of the other comparable websites. And, you know, I look at how technology has advanced through my ever longer career, terrifyingly so, and how it's impacted the industry, you know, the advent now of how we use AI, you know, how we use applicant tracking systems and lots of different elements of tech to do everything from creating uh, employer branding, enhancing employee value propositions, 
and everything in between to you know how we identify and attract talent i mean it, it is intrinsic to what we do and you know that has obviously you know for me in the last couple of years um been changed even more you know um two years ago when i lost my sight which happened really in a matter of weeks i was i well i was completely disconnected you know, it was as if, you know, the, those days where Facebook and Instagram shut down or the other day when, you know, Clubhouse disappeared. It was like that, but <laughs> a lot deeper, you know. I couldn't use any of my social media channels. I couldn't WhatsApp. I couldn't message. I couldn't use my phone because, you know, my phone was just a sort of heavy weight in my pocket that I could just about answer the phone if somebody called me. But then technology has revolutionized my life since then. You know, there is this thing within every iPhone called voiceover and it's accessibility function when you feed, when you activate it. I encourage anyone to try this actually. Um, you then basically, everything that's on your screen gets right out to you and you scroll through it. And through learning how to use voiceover, I was able to reconnect with the world, with my friends. And I've been able to build up my skills again using adaptive technology to a place where I can get back to where I was within my career. And I mean, I think I actually come at it from many different perspectives now with everything I've learned in the last two years, but to be able to really meaningfully continue my career thanks to technology, because without it, it wouldn't be possible. Uh, that's an incredible story, Jürgen, the fact that you've, you know, utilised technology to get back to where you were. But, you know, the feeling of being completely disconnected and you're right in saying that those of us that, um, you know, aren't visually impaired, we feel completely lost when our social media goes down. Um you know, it's kind of thinking and connecting outside of those realms of technology. But when you're completely disconnected, goodness, tell me more about how you have felt and, and dealt with some of those uh, issues, being completely disconnected. Well, I mean, I want to go back to it. So it all sort of happened August through September of 2019. I, you know, I, I started noticing some light spotting in my vision and there was, you know, there would be days where it would be sort of the same and it wouldn't really change and I'd have one night I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up and it'd be a lot worse. And then one morning I woke up and it was so bad I realised I couldn't simply leave my flat on my own. And you feel caged, you feel trapped, you feel stuck, you feel as a... There is no way that I can independently now go and do something, you know, and you become so dependent as a result on other people. Because then I can go to the shops on my own, I can get my shopping, can use the internet, so I couldn't do anything. And you lose all, sort, all sorts of elements of control within your life. Because essentially, if you can't go, go out on your own or use technology, you're you're kind of sorry but you're kind of screwed in so yes. many ways and being able to learn how to use technology and i remember when it happened i um i had, had to have brain surgery to remove the tumor that caused my sight loss and i then went back to scotland to recuperate 
And I would, you know, through October, November, I hadn't been on socials at all because I couldn't use them. You know, I'd get a friend to put up a post for me to tell everyone I was okay, but I couldn't do it. And a friend came up from London to see me up in, in Kirkcaldy in Scotland. And we were talking while I was there and she was telling me about all the messages and reading all these posts to me that people had posted on my on my Facebook, on my Instagram posts, asking how I was, saying they were thinking of me. And I realised that in that moment that I needed to take an action to reconnect, to see what was possible. And, you know, I sort of knew about voiceover, but I didn't really know what it was. And I phoned the RNIB, who then immediately set up that day for me to have a three-hour session with a tech, a tech advisor who was going to walk me through how to set everything up. And that, in that moment, it was the start of me being able to regain control of so many elements of my life. You know, and in that period, I went from not being able to post on Instagram or look at it or read it or whatever to now, just over two years later, uh, or really two years later, being able to, I live on my own here in Ballam. I do my shopping. I go to the shops. I do all of the things. I pay my bills. I, <laughs> I do all of the things I did before, just in a different way. And many of those things, a lot of those things, down to and thanks to the advent well the advancements that technology have provided to my community that's just fabulous Jürgen when you were speaking I just felt yeah you know there was a there was a connection there was a feeling of oh my goodness me you're taking me through your story and it feels really deep-hearted like you've completely turned your life around um with with technology and you've you've fought and you've learnt and you've spent that time and uh, it sounds like uh, you know an incredible place to be and i think you know if we're thinking about uh not necessarily uh, a visual impairment or a disability you know we can all feel very stuck but it's reaching out and finding those different ways to support us and move us on from where we are um right. and obviously hopefully that's technology um 20 years ago i was working for honda and i was very much an advocate for accessibility and usability um you know the disability um discrimination act back in 2000 2001 um, i was very much creating online systems that were usable and accessible for people that were visually impaired or weren't able to use a mouse in some way um, and you know so i'm really grateful to be able to connect with you and find out a bit more from your perspective what makes life easier for you in your world? You know, how can we as producers of content make it easier for you to consume the most and the most impactful um, kind of sources? Now, I know you kind yeah. of talk about Instagram and it being not quite so accessible right now. Um, but how can we as content producers produce things that, you know, like I say, a uh, more accessible uh, and consumable to you. Hmm. So I think there's a number of things. If you are a business owner and you're listening to this, there's a few things I want you to think about. So 
in the beginning from your sales perspectives and whether it's a sales funnel or whether you're direct selling something via a website via instagram on average you are losing 10 to 15 percent of your sales every month due to inaccessibility where somebody has tried to work through trying to buy one of your products or access your services but wasn't able to do it if you are thinking well accessibility it's it's a lot of work and it feels like it's something it's it's a nice to do but right now i'm too busy if you are a uk business owner are you too busy to ensure that you are able to tap into a market that's worth 274 billion pounds that is the spending power of the disabled community known as the purple pound and disabled people we're a very loyal bunch if we find businesses and services that are accessible to other people in our community, we tend to swarm towards it because we're a very talkative community, I would say. And equally, if you're not accessible, well, you're probably going to find that over on Twitter, you're getting slated at some point. Because again, from my perspective, when a business makes an effort to be accessible, they are saying to me, they care about me as a customer. When I hear platform owners uh, I'll go into that in a second, saying, well, accessibility is down the roadmap, we'll get there. They're saying to me, you don't care about my, my my community, you don't care about my user experience on your platform, and actually, you, you're not really that bothered about listening. So, I mean, when you use Instagram as an example, there's some really easy things anybody can do today that will make their content more accessible. So when you're posting an image on Instagram, there is a functionality in advanced settings called alt text. Now, alt text is a tool that basically, when I come across your post, before I even get to your caption, it's going to read that out to me using voiceover. And this is your opportunity to tell me what's in the image. So if it's an infographic, what is the text? What's the data you're trying to communicate? If it's a photo of a product, of a, a location, whatever it might be, I always describe it like this. Imagine you are describing a photo to somebody you're talking to on the phone. Put that into words and put it in that text field. It's an unlimited uh, text field, and you can put you can be as verbose and as descriptive as you possibly want. But when you do that, again, you're expanding the reach that you're going to have in terms of the the population on Insta that can receive your content. Now, here's the upside again for you. When you do that, Google Analytics and SEO uses the content of alt text to verify and validate the content of the photograph. So again, it's actually gonna increase your chances when somebody searches for related keywords, either on Instagram, which is now one of the biggest growing search engines in the world, or actually on Google and make it come up to the top of more people's searches so more people can find you. So it's a win-win. And, you know, Insta, they have problems. I mean, is it as good as it should be for the size of a company they are? No, it's not. Uh, they're still within the embedded coding on uh, Instagram and not a lot of buttons which are labeled with just complete nonsense. I mean, complete nonsense. And I mean, if you watch some of my reels, you'll find where there's a few buttons at the moment and rather than telling what they are, it just describes it as button. Which someone has, someone has coded that. Somebody in Instagram in their programming team thought, Goodness. oh, this button in HTML. I'm going to call it button. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what we face. 
yes it must be such a, a such a challenge but also a joy when you do find products and services online that that offer that accessibility um one of the the things i intrinsically kind of build in is um like you say alt tags you know it's a really old school way and i started um coding hand coding html uh many years ago 1993 um and i've kind of taught myself and read books built online stores and all sorts of things but it's having that foundation um, and doing things, attention to detail and process at the very outset, um, then can pay dividends later on. And the more you yeah. kind of practice and do these things, the, the easier it is. So, I mean, that's a great tip, adding the, the alt text into your Instagram posts. Um, and certainly any website that you go on, um, all of the, the alt text should be associated with each of the images to allow uh, people like Jürgen to be able to understand what's being displayed. And I love you, the, your your comment about it being as verbose as you possibly can, you know, it evokes some of that feeling and emotion, you know, mm -hmm. what's that image actually telling you and showing you, uh, you know, the, the kind of emotions and uh, other things. Um, it excites me actually, uh, Jürgen, to be able to talk about um, making things more solid with a, a great foundation for everybody. Um, you know, the, the kind of days of having lots of read more buttons on a website, for example, and all of them saying read more. Now, how many websites do you go to where this is the case? <laughs> uh, a lot, a lot. And here's the thing. If you're looking for like easy, easy solutions, and actually, if you're listening to this and you're just wondering how accessible is my website, there are online tools which can show you very quickly what problems your website has. So there's, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's a website called Silk Tide. Silk is in the fabric, Tide is in the ocean, where you can plug in your web address and it will then give you very quickly, actually, a complete overview of all of like, because sort of green, amber, red, of the potential accessibility challenges within your website. Because the reality is accessibility isn't, I mean, I guess a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, there's not that many blind people out there. So, you know, but ultimately, because people have some really interesting formatting designs out there, it affects dyslexic people, it affects people who are just also low vision, um, people who perhaps have different language issues, for example. And there's another tool I don't know if you've heard of called GrowSightMe where you, you can plug this into the top of your website as a piece of code. And then people who come to your website, if they have an issue with the colors on your website, <coughs> they can actually change the color scheme. They can change the language. They can change the font, the size of the font. And it's a more effective screen reader because it can pick out some of the gaps that might be there from a screen reader perspective and help to fill in the, fill in the gap. So, the thing is, accessibility doesn't need to be expensive and it doesn't need to be necessarily that much hard work because I think that's one of the perceptions people have is that being accessible sounds like it's going to be really difficult. Again, because of the advent of technology, there are businesses, tools, apps out there that are working really hard to create solutions that you can just then plug and play. Absolutely. So if anyone wants to hook up with that uh, website, it's Silk Tide. Is that .com, Jürgen? I think so, yes. 
we can I can search that up and pop that in the podcast notes and recite me was that the other one yeah recite me so uh, recite is in the word itself then just me and I'm <laughs> very confident that that's dot com um and again it, 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 there's many other tools and there's many other these are just two of the ones I'm more yes. aware of at the moment and you know just just try them have a look at it see how it can help you because again like I've kind of hopefully put across it, it isn't just about being accessible for you as a business owner there is a commercial upside to this a significant commercial upside to this and I'm sure right now everybody can do with that Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's not a minor aspect of life. It actually, you know, helps so many people, um, you know, being able to see text. I I use kind of dark screens with white text. Um, and that's not because I'm tech, because I find it easier to read on screen. You know, paper is white and we write dark text on it. But actually screens are easier to read if you reverse that. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, lots of different systems have a dark mode. Um and uh, that's not going to the dark side, but it just, you know, try it, you know, see what that looks like and how much kinder to your eyes and, and your kind of being is, um, you know, when, when looking at things. And, and most people are, you know, finding positives from all of these changes, but uh, starting that process for, as a, like Jürgen says, as a business owner, you know, these are some of the mindful things that really will pay dividends in the future. Um, thank you so much for that uh, insight. Uh, I remember using JAWS screen reader mm-hmm. uh, back probably 20 years ago. Is that still as up to date as it used to be or has that gone off the boil a bit now, Jürgen? No, JAWS, JAWS and Freedom, like their owners, Freedom Scientific, are still very much at the forefront of um, accessibility design. So for those for those who don't know, JAWS is basically a, a tool that you put into laptops. And essentially what it does is it creates uh, a, a kind of audio feedback. So when I press a button on my laptop, it tells me what button I've pressed. And with quick links and shortcuts, I can do lots of different things on my laptop itself. And again, JAWS is another really good example of something which has come on really far. So they now have um, a little sort of like inbuilt, I'm going to say it quietly, like an inbuilt Alexa uh, within JAWS <laughs> called Sharky. Um, so, you know, when I'm on my laptop, somebody can say, hey, Sharky. Uh, and it can help me to understand some of what's on my screen. And, you know, it's a good example of something which is advancing all the time and making laptops more accessible because one of the oddities is really that laptops and laptop providers, so, you know, if you're running any sort of Windows iOS, they have never really bothered to build in the same sort of accessibility that Apple has since the iPhone 4. I agree with you there. It's been completely overlooked. And actually, you know, many of us are spending time on Clubhouse and on audio apps. And actually, it's it makes more streamlined sense to listen um, to to things rather than be able to see. So, you know, some of us are opting for the audio audio route. Um, now, you do you have a, a club in Clubhouse, Jürgen? Or- 
<coughs> Apologies. I do have a club on Clubhouse. It is very much a social club. It is uh, the pub club club. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Love it. Is, um, you know, it, it is very much about socialising. I mean, I'm, you know, in terms of like within Clubhouse, you know, my journey with Clubhouse itself has been quite an interesting one because when I came on to Clubhouse in February, it was very inaccessible. And there was one night, probably middle of February, uh, there was a group of 10, maybe 15 uh, other blind people who I knew. We were all in a room in Clubhouse talking about, well, how do you do this and how do you manage to do that? Because all of the buttons, hardly any of the buttons were labelled. The microphone button didn't tell you whether you were, you were muted or unmuted. You had to sort of guess, and which was fun. And we were sort of talking <laughs> about it. And then I saw this person in the audience. It was like Daniel Haman, inviting him up. He didn't want to come up. So I looked at his profile. It was like iOS developer at Clubhouse. I said, oh, yeah. he is the iOS developer at Clubhouse. <laughs> And he sat there for a good 90 minutes, two hours, listening to us. Then all of a sudden, he popped up his hand. So we brought him up on stage, and he introduced himself and said like, he had a bunch of questions for us. And he sat there for another hour, two hours, taking notes on the challenges we faced, what, would, what, were the, like, what were the easy fixes, what could he go and do tomorrow that would make the app more usable. And like you know, things like HTML labeling within an app aren't that hard to fix, really, in comparison to many of the other things. So by two, three days later, because back then we got a Clubhouse update like every other day, um, lots of the easy things were fixed. Within two weeks, more of the things were fixed. And he, it just for many of us, it was like, wow, A, he listened, B, he cared, C, he went and did it. And that... That said a lot, you know. I mean, you know, I'll skirt over the story where I got banned from Clubhouse once, but that was for <laughs> trying to provide accessibility to the, to the deaf community. Silly me. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> was, well, the Clubhouse used to have this thing where they were very, very against recording of rooms. Mm. And there is a platform called Otter AI, which is a transcription service where it takes audio and transcribes it automatically and I was hosting a room with three others on accessibility and diversity and I thought well quite rightly got called out on Twitter and said I can't hold a room on Clubhouse about accessibility where I'm clearly excluding a huge community mm. so I was okay we're gonna we're gonna live we're gonna live broadcast this via auto AI into Twitter and we set all of that up a friend of mine who had altered did that for me and somebody in actually in the blind community who just had a bit of an axe to grind against clubhouse reported me for this and the very next day i went back onto clubhouse and despite having said every five minutes we are live transcribing this we are live transcribing this i got banned from clubhouse oh, no. for seven days <laughs> for, for, for providing accessibility <laughs> Being the occasional Twitter warrior, um, I went on Twitter, I'm like, this is unfair. <laughs> and uh, I ended up writing an op-ed for, um, for Fast, this is, you know, the Fast Track 100 um, for their website. I was featured in Business Insider, everything else. And uh, in, back in those days, there was a very big club on Clubhouse called Food and Beverage Magazine, who have like 14 million readers globally. And they had direct routes into Clubhouse, uh, its management team. 
and uh, Lauren Kane, who's their managing editor, messaged me and said, what's this about you being banned? And I told her, I said, I'm going to sort this. So she sent one email to the head of communications at Clubhouse, um, tearing him apart for the fact that I'd been banned from Clubhouse, <laughs> reprimanding him and scolding him uh, to the end degree. And then I got a reply I never got a reply, actually. She did go, she, he replied to her, but didn't copy me back in. Uh, but needless to say, within six hours, my, my ban had been lifted and I had had a reprieve and allowed back into the, uh, the clubhouse streets. So, I mean, the reality is, is that many apps have accessibility challenges. And I think one of the things I've always tried to do is be an agent for change rather than an agent for complaint. Yes. Because sitting back and complaining about accessibility or saying that's not fair doesn't really do anything. Trying to highlight a challenge or a problem and trying to offer a solution or a sort of, if you could do this first, that would be great. That would, I mean, that, that for me is the route to take. So, you know, the new platform wisdom the labeling of the buttons in there is atrocious. I mean, it's utterly bizarre, some of the labeling of the buttons on that platform. And yet, they're only three weeks old. So their founder was on Clubhouse the other day, uh, holding, she's doing a few like Q&As. And I managed to get a question, you know, where does accessibility sit on your roadmap? And I'd have to say, I was really disappointed with her answer. It was, she was quite dismissive of it. Oh, well, you know, yeah, one or two people have mentioned that, but you know, hmm. And to me, that was really disappointing, really, really disappointing that, you know, any CEO would take that stance, I, I think, is really short-sighted, you know, yes. uh, in, in many ways. And I'd sent her a few messages and said, look, I'm not expecting your app to be perfect. I'm not expecting your app to be completely accessible. But here's one thing that your team could go and do, and I don't think it would take them more than an hour, is to go through your platform and just accurately label the buttons. Just that one simple act would make a huge difference to my user experience of your platform. Absolutely. It's all of the, the, the basic things that, you know, get overlooked. Uh, it's just, you know, like I say about setting the foundation, you know, doing things in a maybe more detailed way rather than just kind of rushing things through. You can still rush things through, but incorporate those practices within what you do every day. Um, one of my uh, strap lines, Jürgen, is uh, take the brave pill and JFDI every day. Just flipping do it. Um, I, w- I want to ask you, what's your what's been your biggest brave pill that you've had to take just to do something for me it's been learning to use my white cane to be honest um you know for for quite a few months because of the pandemic because when i i moved back to london in february last year i moved into a flat of my own i was expecting to start my uh, rehabilitation immediately and start my white cane training And then obviously we all know what happened in March. And I was then alone and stuck in my flat for I think nine weeks, 10 weeks without seeing anyone I knew. Um, And it wasn't until the July when I was able to start learning how to use a a white cane. Um, 
And, you know, that learning to use a white cane is very much like anything. It's about repetition. It's about doing it. It's about putting in the hours of practice, right? You know, we know it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. So essentially for me, the, the, the brave pill has been on days where I don't feel like doing it, where I feel just like, no, is, is kind of kicking myself and saying, you know what, you've got to keep taking that next step. You've got, even if you, even if you fail, even if you fall, you've got to keep taking that next step because the only way you're ever going to reach the destination that you want to get to is by just taking that next step. And yes, sometimes you'll wobble and sometimes you'll end up taking two steps back before you take another step forward. But if you're standing still, you're not going anywhere. So for me, it it has definitely been advancing my white cane skills, getting confident again, and just going to my local coffee shop. I can't tell you how many times last year I sat there and was got really low about the fact I couldn't just walk out my front door. Mm. And it's okay, even in August when things reopen, I couldn't go out my front door and just walk up the street to the coffee shop and sit outside in the sunshine and have a coffee without having to ask somebody to come and take me. It's so, it's so, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is, but for me, the brave pill was definitely advancing those skills. So yeah, I know I can do that. After this, yeah, I'm probably going to go for a little walk with Jeff, my white cane. I call it Jeff, I don't know why. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You've gone quiet, Jürgen, so you might... uh... Yeah, I can't hear you at the moment. <laughs> I sometimes have this problem. One of my AirPods goes out and then I'm yeah. lost. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, I can, Jürgen. Right, I'm going to just quickly reconnect the AirPods, hopefully. I can, I can hear you fine. Now you can hear me? Yes. Apologies. Somebody, somebody dared to phone me. It's outrageous. Um, so, so, again, to finish my point, really, the essence of being brave and the essence of finding that brave pill and what that means to you is it's just, it's just keep moving forward. Whatever it is that your child is challenging you and is kind of inhibiting you from getting to where you want to get to, it just, just do it. I was in a room this morning in Clubhouse and someone, you know, one of the questions then was, Jürgen, what are you going to take away from this room? And I just do it. Stop thinking about it. Stop procrastinating. Just do it. Because the more that you do it, the better you'll get at it. Absolutely. You know, it's so inspirational to hear your story. And, you know, I felt like I'd kind of hit on a, a bit of a, you know, a difficult point. You know, your brave pill was learning how to use your white cane. But I'm so grateful that you shared that. And, uh, you know, we can we can all imagine the, you sitting out, going down to get your coffee, because we've both got that in common. It's our coffee, coffee fix and uh, sitting in the sunshine, even though it's uh, kind of winter here in the UK and a bit rainy every now and again. <laughs> But um, I want to um, ask you about your work with the hashtag See My Skills with the Vision Foundation. Can you tell me a bit more about that? 
Yeah, for sure. So the See My Skills campaign is the, the big centenary campaign for the Vision Foundation, who are now 100 years old. And it is about highlighting and improving the employment employability of the visual impairment community. So, you know, like I, I have said many times and will keep saying, 90% of people who are severely sight impaired like myself are unemployed. 74% of people who uh, have any visual impairment or unemployed. 94% of people believe that a visually impaired person cannot do their job. I mean, these are the things, are the things that we face. Only 60% of employers believe that their application process is accessible. And even at that rate, I could tell you 30% of them are uh, being a little bit wishful, I <laughs> to be honest with you, because the number of processes and barriers that a blind person or a visually impaired person has to cross just to apply for a job are incredible. And then you have all of the self-doubt. Do I disclose my disability? Will they want to consider me when they know I have a disability? Will the job be accessible to me? Because there are companies, frankly, where even I, as someone who's been in recruitment for as long as I have, um, where they wouldn't consider me as a candidate because I think they know that their platforms and their tech stack isn't accessible. And to, to go and rewrite scripts to make it accessible is probably going to cost 50 to 60,000 pounds. And then that's probably going to mean spending 10 to 20,000 pounds every six months to update those scripts. And employers don't want to do that. And this is where it then stems back. And part of the message is from an employer perspective is really ensuring that when you are creating new tech stacks and designing new systems, <clears throat> the accessibility has to be one of the cornerstones at the start of your design process. Because trying to implement accessibility later down the line doesn't work at all. And from the campaign perspective, really what we're trying to show with the four videos that we've put out is four very different people with very different careers working in very different fields, but demonstrating that we can do it. Like Naki, one of the guys, he works in finance in the city. I don't know how he uses Excel spreadsheets with the jaws because I can't do it. But he does. <laughs> <laughs> I could use Excel spreadsheets when I was fighting, if I'm honest. But now it's even worse. And, you know, really, it's just about making people aware that there is this incredible talent out there of people who just want a chance. They just want the equity and the equality to be given an opportunity to demonstrate their ability. Nobody's asking for a job because we are blind. All people are saying is, give us an opportunity to show you that we can do it as well as, if not better than most people. And those 94% of people that think blind people can't do their jobs are taking some crazy arrogant pill every morning. And that's really what they believe. Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are a ton of jobs that really are not that hard. And, a, you know, a blind person could definitely figure out, be trained and learn to do. Am I going to drive a bus anytime soon? Probably not. Would you want me as your pilot? No. Dentist? No. <laughs> Surgeon? Absolutely not. But can, can I do sales? Yes. Can I do marketing and PR? Yeah, you want, a, you want a diverse creative team, you get some blind people in the room. They will give you a very different perspective to your campaign. I mean, against all fields, you know, and really to go back to that point of diversity, you know, when you create diverse teams, when you bring in people with different disabilities, races, sexualities, backgrounds, etc., you create an environment that is going to produce a better end product 
because your product's going to represent a bigger portion of society. So you're going to speak to more people within society rather than just to, you know, like, well, you know, I don't always talk about this, but prior to my disability, I was the epitome of white privilege. I went to a very good school. I went to a very good university. I'm white, straight and male. You know, at the game of life, I've, I've got a pretty great hand. And I didn't really appreciate that until a big part of that was taken away from me when I developed a disability. And essentially what it's now shown me is that all of us have to do much, much more to highlight other people, to bring more people into conversations. If you are in a position where you can dictate influence or make decisions that allows for greater diversity, then I believe everybody has not just a responsibility, but really, really a, a calling to do so. Because it's the only way we're going to make change, but also it is going to, in, in the end, create much better outcomes for business. Because again, we know there are McKinsey studies until the, as long as, well, as long as the day is long, that show diversity and diverse teams have better outcomes, better production, better productivity, better creativity. All of it, all of the things you want can be achieved through increasing and improving your, your diversity within your business. Just incredible, Jürgen. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And, you know, we have to start from the ground up build the foundation, continue to take those steps and just, uh, you know, work to to grow our businesses that are accessible to everybody, uh, not just those that are privileged enough to be able to, you know, have have all of the, the kind of technology and skills that some of us have. Um, Jürgen, thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have any final thoughts to share? My final thoughts, let me think. I would say, if, you've met, if you are in a position where you can influence hiring decisions in your business, in your organization, wherever it might be, ask the question, is your process accessible? And actually, one day, maybe for an hour, turn on voiceover on your iPhone and see what it's like, because I think it's a really interesting experience for sighted people to understand how it works. Um, a friend of mine, Martin, whilst he was in Italy with his wife did it, and I accidentally managed to phone the Italian version of 999. <laughs> so don't do that, Goodness. but definitely try it, because often experiencing something can help you to understand it better. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you so much for, for being here and uh, being part of this podcast, Jürgen. Um, I hope to continue to connect with you in your pub pub club. What's your clubhouse? It's the, the pub club club. <laughs> the pub club club. Because we all have to have some social, you know, life can be very serious, but it's about having fun as well. So. Always. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you so much and uh, catch up with you very soon. Yeah, thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. I look forward to having you listening in again for the next episode. And if you would love to be a guest talking to me about your tech trials or successes, please do drop me a DM.